0: This is Viterbi Voices.
1: Coming to you from the University of Southern California, Viterbi School of Engineering.
0: We're here to give you the inside scoop on research, classes, student life, and so much more.
1: All of these shared by students, faculty, alumni, and other members of the USC community.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Viterbi Voices. As usual, I am one of your hosts. My name is Paula Desma, Executive Director of Undergraduate Admission here at the Viterbi School of Engineering.
1: Hello, everyone. I am Maya Neuenschwander, your other co-host, currently, but will be a senior studying Industrial and Systems Engineering at Viterbi.
0: Absolutely. We're about a week away from everything starting, Maya. Are you ready to come back? Are you ready to start your last year of college? Does it sound exciting? Does it sound scary? <laughs> is it a combination of everything in between?
1: Yeah, it is it, it is everything all at once. Um I'm I'm very excited to see all my friends and to go back to campus. I've been I was gone abroad. for so
0: long, too. Yeah.
1: I've I the last time I was at last time I was on campus was at the beginning of December 2023 and i i missed 22 20 oh yeah 22 oh my gosh yeah, yeah i i just i miss the campus environment i miss everyone i miss the sunshine though apparently i am i missed some rain in the spring so I Oh
0: you missed the most rain we've ever had for the longest period of time
1: yeah i i like to think it's because i wasn't there so yeah, yeah.
0: LA got um, sad. That's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you're coming back and you're getting ready to move back in. What is on your first weekend list of places you need to eat?
1: Places I need to eat. Okay. Well, my answer has changed recently. So normally I would say Kava. For those of you who are unfamiliar, Kava mm. is this incredible like, kind of the Mediterranean Chipotle. Mm-hmm. And there's one in the U.S. That's USC a good way Village. to describe it. Yeah. Um, but there is actually a kava in Boulder where I'm living this summer. So I had kava a couple of days ago. So that so you're that
0: satisfied scratch, there. Yeah. That
1: scratch that itch. Yeah. But definitely sushi. Um, Col- Colorado is not known for their seafood. Landlocked <laughs> states tend
0: not to be known for sushi. Yeah. You
1: know? um, so I'm, I'm ready for some good, some good California sushi. I'm trying to think if there's any restaurant in particular. Have you ever been to Whole Box, Paul?
0: No, I was about to ask you, where do you go for sushi? Because that is somewhat of a blind spot for me. And I was, I love sushi, but I, I don't know the joints.
1: Yeah. So within LA, I guess for like sushi proper, um, a lot of people really like sugarfish and Kazunori. Those are really yeah. Yeah. really big names. Those are those are good. Yeah. Um, I went to this one. Oh God what was it called matsuhisu once that mm-hmm. was really really good sushi um, but then just like seafood near like really that's all like to beverly campus. hills everything
0: you just said is like beverly hills right
1: yeah, yeah so really close to campus and this isn't necessarily for sushi but it's this really good seafood place called whole box it's in this little mm-hmm. market um it's Closer to like fritta, like the south end of campus, um and it's incredible seafood. I think I had I had like a sea urchin once before um, one of the game days. <laughs> that was like.
0: Is it on Figueroa?
1: Um. Yeah.
0: Is it on Fig? Like across the street there? I think Where is it? It's
1: it's a little bit past Fig, but it, it's a lot closer to campus than you would expect. Okay. I don't know how to des- I don't know how to describe the orientation, but uh, that's they're really really good fish tacos and really great ceviche. That's my favorite. So. It'll definitely be the first place I hit up, like getting some ceviche at Whole Box.
0: Okay. That's amazing. That sounds good. Yeah. Because yeah, Sugarfish, all the Beverly Hills joints. There's a Sugarfish down here in Manhattan uh, at the beach um, and a few other places down here that I know of pretty well, but I'm always kind of interested. Like, Have you ever explored kind of the sushi restaurants in Little Tokyo?
1: No, actually, I have not.
0: I I cannot speak to, I I can't give you a strong recommendation uh, or like, oh my God, they're so good. But there are a few places. Oh, God, there was a place. Oh, I can't remember. Um, I, this is the problem. I get on the podcast and I don't <laughs> know what I'm going to talk about. And then I think about an idea and I have a half of a thought, but little Tokyo and also near Pershing square, that like whole area Then there, mm. there's some great sushi joints in downtown that you might want to check out. Some of them are like mm-hmm. the fun kind of kitschy environments. Like there's the conveyor belt, like the, the rivers, <laughs> like the, like the running like boats of sushi that yeah. go around. So you just like pick it off, which is always kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's another place that I know you go downstairs and Oh God, I'll come up to it. it's an amazing place. Uh, from what I have heard, but I'm, I'm at a, um, I'm at a crux because my wife does not like sushi. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter likes California rolls. I'm excited about that. But basically, no matter where we go, I'm basically the only one eating sushi. Mm-hmm. So we don't. I don't get it a lot. It's one of those things that I try to do when I'm by myself. And to your point, if I'm traveling somewhere, this is where like, <laughs> like I I distinctly remember getting sushi in Texas, and I'm like, why am I getting sushi in <laughs> Texas? But like, but I was by myself and I was traveling and I wanted sushi, and so yeah, uh, here I am. Getting sushi in Texas.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. Ashamed, I'm ashamed to admit, but as a, as a kid, I did not like sushi. Actually, this is. But this has been. No like a kids fresh... like
0: sushi. Well, there are a few kids that like sushi, mm-hmm. but yeah.
1: But like freshman year in college, that's when I started eating sushi, and I yeah. I've been missing out. All I can say, but I feel like it's a very like a lot of kids will grow into it. So I, I bet the, your the extent will...
0: of my sushi knowledge uh, when I was a kid was a California roll, and and that was it, and and so I'm I'm okay with my daughter doing that. Cause that's what she likes. And then eventually at some point we'll be, there'll be peer pressure where like other kids are trying something and I, and I know she'll try it. And like, she did something the other day with like a whitefish hand roll where I was like, you really want that? Okay, great. And she did. And she liked it. And I'm like, cool, go for it. Like, I didn't like it, but she liked it. Um, and, um, but I remember I was not really introduced to sushi until I was in college. It had to be like sophomore, junior year. And at that point there was a place in Westwood so I don't think it's there anymore, Uh, called mm-hmm. Cowboy Sushi. Mm. Again, go, if you go back, like, I doubt it was good. But the deal was, it was all you can eat. And so for, <laughs> you know, a 20-year-old, 19, 20-year-old dude uh, for, you know, $20 or $25 at the time, it was all you can eat sushi. And it was just like, let's see how many plates we can sack up. Like, oh, just gosh. keep bringing it, keep bringing it, keep bringing it. And that was where, like, we just started trying everything. Because you got in trouble if you didn't eat it all. And that's where, mm-hmm. like... I got introduced to unagi, like like freshwater eel, and I got introduced to um, all of like the the yellowtail and all of just the different fishes and the sashimis and everything else. So, like, just keep bringing it; I will keep eating it. And so, sushi is a really fascinating meal because it doesn't seem like a lot of food, but it always gets very. I get very very full mostly because I eat a lot. But it was, it was it's. I love sushi. <laughs> yeah, me. Stuff.
1: Me too. I'm in my head. I'm like, how do we tie sushi into chemical engineering? Like, what's, like what's, what's a clever What's a clever pivot I can introduce at? Well, me? I think you
0: just did it. I think you just <laughs> slyly did it. And that brings us to the topic of today's episode, which is chemical engineering and nuclear engineering and fusion versus fission and everything else. And that's what this is all about. This is Dr. Greg Sinclair. Greg uh, is one of our students who's originally from Sacramento, came to USC to study chemical engineering, went off and did a... PhD in nuclear engineering at Purdue, and is now one of the main scientists at General Atomics working on nuclear fusion and energy from that. I'm kind of spoiling a lot of the episode because they're going to talk about it, but I can't wait for you to hear all about this stuff because the ideas related to energy, clean energy, nuclear energy, all the thought process related to oil and gas and everything else in between, and his his, uh, journey on these topics and what he wanted to do is all laid out for you, and Greg is doing some great stuff. So uh, let's hand it straight off from this to our conversation with Greg Sinclair or Doctor Greg Sinclair, uh, one of our chemical engineering loves. There he is. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Of course, my dog barks immediately when we start.
2: <laughs> Hasn't done anything this entire time. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's been a long time. I think the last time I saw you, I stopped by campus in like 2016, 2017, something like that. Was Is that how long has been? Is that how long it's been? Yeah, okay. I think so. All
0: right. So it's been since like 2016. That's forever ago. So.
2: Yeah, I was. I remember I was on a trip out to LA to see friends, and uh, I thought, you know what? Let me see if Paul's, in, <laughs> you know, in the office and has time, and that was nice to stop by, and and we were able to chat a little bit. So that's always fun to, you know, see campus coming back yeah. and see how it changes over the years. Right. So,
0: yeah. And <laughs> now you are in San Diego. Am I catching you in your office?
2: Yeah, I'm in my office, uh, on the Torrey Pines bluff. Um, so that's nice. I, you know, a few minutes later from the golf course, <laughs> a few minutes later from the beach, Nice, definitely a nice location. So
0: very cool, man. Very cool. Um, uh, well, thank you for, for being on this. I don't know. Uh, are you a big podcast, uh, person? Do you listen to podcasts?
2: Yeah, it's become part of my routine. Um, especially, I'm a I'm a dad now, and so you're a dad um, now. I don't even know this. Whoa, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Um I have two kids at home, so um, which is really exciting. Holy cow! How old? Uh, my daughter turns two on the twelfth, and my son is about three and a half months old.
0: Oh my gosh! Congratulations! So, thanks.
2: Just so, yeah. back to back. Yeah. yeah yep. We got. It. <laughs> We got it, we got it done, so my wife and I are like, we don't want to be outnumbered. I think two is enough, and we'll go from there, so you're uh, you're playing man to man and you don't yeah. want to go to you don't want to go to zone defense
0: after exactly, that? exactly, but yeah, I mean, in
2: the world of being a dad, like throwing a podcast in is a great way to kind of have some downtime when I'm working on dishes or something like that, right? instead of it's hard to pull up a TV show while I'm doing dishes or laundry or whatever, but if it's just throwing a podcast, so um, yeah, I mean, I really, I, you know, I've tried to balance some of the more serious podcasts, some of the more fun podcasts, right? So um, I always
0: tell myself I'm going to get into serious podcasts <laughs> and then I start one or two and then I get really, really distracted. Uh, sure, I, I feel like I need it to be purely entertaining or escapist. I don't, I don't right. know
2: what it is. Um, well, that's what's, that's what's so nice with some of like, there's a news podcast NPR does. Oh yeah. First. first. And I, that's every day awesome out. because it's like 10 minutes or so like in and out. Um and so you know some of those news news podcasts can be like a conversation that goes on for like an hour and it's like I don't oh really God. have time for that you know yeah um, I need so. I need
0: the top down briefing Uh, yeah, yeah that's that's uh that's like me in the shower is up first <laughs> like I throw it up first yep. and then I'm like by the time I'm brushing my teeth I'm and I'm getting out the door I have got everything I need so we're ready to move exactly. on exactly yeah all right so you are in San Diego are you, and uh, you're living down in San Diego now you you mentioned while we were chatting over email that you, you're liking it
2: down there yeah San Diego is a really cool place you know I'm uh. A little bit on the outskirts of the city right now, just because that's what my wife and I can afford, especially with the two kids. But, yeah, I bet. you know, hoping when uh, we're renting now, you know, so it's hoping one of those things, hopefully over time, move closer to the coast, move closer to downtown, um, you cool. know, and find something we can buy. So, but yeah, I mean, it's a great place. What's so fun, too, is, you know, there's so many neat little, you know, mesas and then valleys and things like this. I mean, that's, you know, if you if you aren't from San Diego, you drive around, it's like i'm on a mesa and then there's a canyon and then another mesa and then another yeah. canyon and each yeah. canyon has cool hiking trails and things like that so that's really fun remind me where you're from i'm from sacramento sacramento um, so okay. yeah i grew up in sacramento so sacramento. i didn't want to leave california
0: <laughs> yeah no i'm with you on that i'm with you on that well you did for a little while which we'll we'll get into yeah. in, in a minute here um and so you're originally from sacramento what high school do you do up there I went to Granite Bay High School. Granite Bay. All right. Very cool. <laughs> That's right. And uh, how did you find yourself at USC? Was this was it always a target? Did it get, walk me through that process of senior year. I mean, a lot of our listeners are you know seniors in high school thinking about college. Can you remember back that far? Do you remember that process?
2: Yeah, well, there's a picture of me and two of my friends with the USC Trojan helmets on in high school. Um, <laughs> and so I think the first time I heard about USC was through the marching band because I was the okay. marching man in high school. Yeah, and my best friend, who was my best man for my wedding, he, you know, he was always like, he found out about USC through the marching man, and he wanted to be the marching man. He actually ended up going somewhere else, but he was the one who actually. Got me interested in the school through the marching band, um, and you know, being in high school, the marching band was a big deal there too. So that's kind of how I found out about it first. And then I'm like, you know, when it came to applying to schools, um, a lot of decision, a lot of factors went into my ultimate decision, right? But um, you know, I remember specifically when I got my acceptance letter. It was a very like, you know, nice. I don't know if they what they still do now. How much print stuff that they still do in today? Still but, do,
0: still do. Still yeah. Do. It
2: was really nice to get like a nice, you know, kind of letter and you know that thick packet, right? That you always think about and. I just felt like I really appreciated kind of the, the personal attention. And I know at the time, this was 2010, and there was a really big focus on trying to graduate within four years. And I remember thinking that I had confidence choosing USC that I could get through the program in four years, have that, you know, kind of individual attention, the smaller class sizes, those sorts of things really appealed to me at the time. Yeah as and, well as the marching man of course <laughs> what, what
0: are those what are the schools were you looking at i mean the usc wasn't the only thing that you were looking at what are the schools were you thinking about as you were going through that process
2: and what so were you considering a lot of you know along with a lot of other my law along with a lot of other classmates we were looking at the uc schools um yeah outside of california california
0: residents always look yeah, at uc schools of
2: course right um and i remember you know at the time obviously the ucs are great schools but i remember at the time there was a big increase in tuition um around 2009 2010 and so yeah. i think that obviously factored into a lot of people's decision too. It's like, you know, so, so you're
0: looking at the even more expensive private schools.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, then well, the, the difference definitely became less than what we thought, if you will, right? I mean, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, sure. So, but um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I did think about for a while applying to schools in DC um because I've always had kind of a fascination in the combination of science and policy. But um, hmm. you know, I decided I wanted to stay in California. So, you know, I would say most of the focus was just on staying in California because I, I knew as a kid I always wanted to go to LA. Which is funny. I guess I don't live in L. A. anymore, but I was a Lakers fan in Sacramento when <laughs> the Lakers you were a Lakers Kings fan Olympic. in
0: Sacramento during yeah, that Lakers time period, early two
2: thousands. Yep. Oh the my days god! Of like, yeah, they going to the Western Conference Finals and all that, right? God, so, I, those, I, those Conference Finals involved,
0: were more exciting than the Finals.
2: It was, yeah, oh yeah. So that was that was funny being a being a Kobe and Shaq fan um, in Sacramento, but yeah, I knew I wanted to go to L. A. and that was part of my decision as well, too, right? So.
0: God, I remember those years, man. I remember because I am a Lakers fan when they're in the playoffs. So the, basically, I'm not <laughs> a basketball. I'm not a basketball guy, like that's right. Sure. But I'm I'm a, I'm a hometown guy, and so Lakers become interesting to me when they're in the finals. And that usually in the two the early 2000s, I was all the time. So I was following the Lakers, you know, all the time. Kobe, Shaq, uh, you know, uh, the whole Western Conference Finals situation were as nerve-wracking because you didn't know what was going to happen. But you knew if you got through it, we were going to win the finals, whoever we were playing. Yeah. I don't know why that feeling
2: existed at the time. It's not definitely not the case now. Yeah, yeah. At the time, it definitely seemed like the Western Conference – I mean, things change over the years, but the Western Conference was really strong at that time. And so that those were really, really exciting games for sure.
0: Now, <laughs> every, I'm having every problem. I start coffee when we start recording. My dog goes crazy, but my gardener showed up. <laughs> Just as we started recording, so I apologize to everyone. Uh, all this stuff's happening exactly in this time period. I don't know why. um So, how did chemical engineering come into play? Because you studied chemical engineering. Was that mm-hmm. always the goal, or <laughs> what? does someone have that as a goal coming out of high school? So clearly,
2: no. And I think I remember we talked about this when I was an undergrad at VSA too. Where, where when you're in high school, you think about like maybe problems you want to solve or something mm-hmm. like that, but the problem you might want to address like cancer or something like, you don't, there's not a cancer engineering. So (laughs) it's like, you have to kind of think about, well, what do I want to work on? And then how does that fit into an engineering major? And so I remember, as I kind of mentioned previously in high school, I, I really became interested in clean energy. Mm. Um, And so I was trying to think of where that fits in, in college. And so I, you know, I thought about um, the environmental policy program at USC. Um, I thought about maybe studying water and air. Um and so I, I ended up kind of narrowing my focus to clean energy technology specifically. And I actually initially applied to civil environmental um, hmm. and then changed my major from there when I found out that it wasn't quite focused on, you know, the energy technology specifically. Yeah. There's a lot um, of people that go down that road that think sure. energy,
0: oh, clean energy, that's environmental engineering. Right. And while it can work its way into that in some regards, sure. it is much more chemical. Like it is right. a clean shot chemical.
2: Right. Yeah. So and and then I I switched from civil to chemical, like right when I started, um, because I I decided that I wanted to kind of go down the path of biofuels, which that path oh. lasted for a little while, um, and and then that kind of led me to my undergrad research that I did as well.
0: And tell me tell me about that research.
2: So I studied with uh, Doctor Agolfo in mechanical engineering. Yeah, um, he was doing at the time there was a PhD student doing combustion research, basically analyzing the byproducts of flames like when you know you when you burn something what you know what comes out and analyzing stuff stuff like that and so that was the research i did as an undergraduate um working in in a lab with a peach juice indirectly um you know because it was one of those things kind of just really more fundamental science of how to how do fuels, how do fuels burn and how to make them cleaner sort of thing.
0: Interesting. Now, so many of, of our listeners are high school students and they, they hear this word research. They think they're supposed to do it. They think they have to do it. Therefore they think they want to do it. And I'm the first to tell them like everybody wants to, but not necessarily everybody likes it. Can you, can you talk about what research is, especially like what, what saying you're an undergraduate research and you did that stuff? What did, what did it fundamentally come down to? What was the work you did? How often were you there? Um, Right. Was it as exciting as it sounds? I mean, that's kind of <laughs> one of the things I always want to talk about. Well, Do to you, it I think be it's because exciting your... because
2: I still have been research. That's, so. <laughs> okay, yeah. So this is
0: a good point. This and this is and th- I, that's a good point. I should have probably brought that up. Is that it becomes super exciting for those that go down the route of PhD and this level of research in their career, and that's exactly what you did. So you're actually a good voice on the
2: other side of this. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny too. And you know, research doesn't necessarily mean the same thing day to day, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, my day to day sort of experience as an undergraduate was that. I would have, you know, like, I think I had the phone number of the PhD student I was working with, right? And so we'd figure out a window where I'd come into the lab. And so I might come into the lab. And for example, I helped him design a panel where we had different fuels mm-hmm. and we had to adjust the mixture of different fuels that we were putting into a chamber that we would then burn this fuel mixture and then analyze the the flame. So, you know, I was, you know, cutting metal, cutting pipes, um, you know, attaching pipes into certain... Uh, valves and things like this and then making sure it's all labeled and doing uh, calibrations um you know this whole thing of like you know you have a valve but how much is going how much gas is going through the valve and so you have a calibration that you perform and that can get a little tedious especially because at the time it's kind of funny my this the piece student I work with uh didn't trust a lot of the digital measurement he wanted to do stuff analog really so yeah so we had basically it, it, not to get too into the weeds, but it was basically this—you know uh, cylinder um, mm-hmm. with, and you had a a gas that you flew, you you flowed this gas into a cylinder with a bubble, and then you basically measured how quickly the bubble rises to basically calibrate, uh, you know, the 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 flow of gas <laughs> through a valve.
0: Okay, so, but he, yeah, why funny. why didn't he trust the digital? I don't know. It's because funny, he, right? Because yeah, he it was, was raised on as an
2: undergrad, right? I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> whatever you whatever you say, man. Yeah. But that, you know, so it was a lot of more hands on stuff, right? Where he, you know, he was obviously the person as a PhD student, he was taking care of what, you know, what are the high level goals? What are the scientific goals? But as an undergrad, I was kind of the one facilitating a lot of the work, right? So I could work on some of the more hands on stuff. And then he could say, okay, now that we have the system that the undergrad built, now we can use the system to, to do whatever experiment yeah. I've designed.
0: Interesting. And were you there? Uh, did you stay in that lab doing that all four years? Did you move around? Did you? It was.
2: It was two years. It was mainly my sophomore and junior year. Senior okay. year, I kind of um, phased out of that, just because I think my I focused on uh, graduate school, which was quite a bit of yeah. work preparing for that. So. No, I bet
0: i bet and then at usc you did a lot of other things uh, you already mentioned marching band can we talk a little bit about that and then of course other things that you might have been involved in to, well because you're a lot of people don't realize how much of your life in college has nothing to do with your academics
2: right yeah i mean i my friends that i still speak with a lot of them were in the marching band um i just and went to dallas play? to go see a friend so yeah i i played trombone in the marching trombone, band the and, bones yeah so yeah i mean that like i talked about you know before in high school that was something that was really cool i mean you know i can't i can't deny that it factored into my decision of going to USC to be in such a cool marching band so that was really really fun you know i mean i joined the band we traveled around la um we played at birthday parties which is fun you know i was able to do some stuff through hollywood i remember we were on a hell's kitchen episode um obviously the band yeah yeah Yeah, it was really really cool um we got to meet Mick, we got to meet Nick Cannon. We were on America's Got Talent, which is really cool. Oh, sweet. Um, so I mean that was like I mean it's Hollywood's band, right? And so, you know, there's yeah. all these really cool experiences. And I know the band's still doing a lot of these sorts of Hollywood things, right? And then yeah, they are. you know, that that is not even to mention all of the travel for athletics, right? And right, so right. the band's traveling to football games, you know, the band plays or the the USC football team plays the Notre Dame football team, and so the band will travel with with the team. Um, that was my first time I got to see Chicago. So, and and then we were lucky enough. My senior year, 2013, the seniors got to go to Hawaii for the Hawaii game, which was awesome. Oh, amazing! What great timing,
0: as yeah. a senior to go to Hawaii. Because to to fill people in that on each of these games, each of the travel games, seniors go to all of them or have the option to go to all of them. Is that what it is?
2: Uh, there are certain trips that are class trips so certain trips that are class, yeah so it. it's like the sophomores go to this game and the juniors go to this game and then the seniors they'll usually reserve you know the coolest destination right for seniors and then the rest of the games are kind of volunteer basis right got um, it by so
0: your your hawaii was the yeah. senior trip how yeah it wasn't broken that? this is
2: the sophomores to hawaii <laughs>
0: <laughs> no not in sophomores so why how dare you no never seniors got to take that trip that's amazing uh had you been to hawaii before
2: uh, I think I had gone there once before as a kid, you know, for one of those family reunion type things. But um, that it. was definitely a very, Whoa. very special trip. And you a know, family so many-
0: reunion in Hawaii—that sounds like a great location for a family. You're usually, they're like in the middle of the country where no one wants to go. I'm like, that's an amazing idea.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, yeah. But you know, it was, it was definitely fun to go there more as, uh, as an adult, right? So, but yeah, I mean, the band was such a great opportunity to make friends. Or you talk about being a student. You know, my mm-hmm. friend group came from there. You know, and the other podcasts listen to. I know I was I was trying to you know prepare for a little bit of this episode. Right. And it's oh, so yeah. interesting to talk about the students wanting to get a break from academics. Right. And so that was so awesome because you show up to practice. You don't worry about your school, your classes, or anything like that. And you have a nice break from whatever you're working on
0: but still a lot of work Uh, yeah can you can you talk about the band experience uh i mean there's a lot of students that do i mean you know this that there's a lot of overlap between engineering students and marching band students uh and there's a lot of interest from students that are in marching band or band of some level or music of some level in high school that want to go into engineering because that math music connection that's there right what 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 is that time commitment like and uh you know it's not necessarily for everybody but it was for you so can you talk a little bit about that experience
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think it also depends from the high school that you're coming in through. Because mm-hmm. I was at a high school marching band that was very competitive, and my college yeah. marching band experience actually was a lower time commitment <laughs> going oh, really? to high school. So depending, you know, on the high school, it might be more or less. But you know, going into college, so the the band and I don't know if it, if it's still like this, but when I was a student, it was three practices a week for two hours each, and mm-hmm. then a Saturday morning practice. Sounds right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, you know, the Saturdays, especially during the football season, right, it's kind of an all day commitment sort of thing, right?
0: Yeah. It's waking one up difference... at six
2: o'clock and sometimes it goes until midnight that night sort of thing.
0: Totally. Because one of the differences, correct me if I'm wrong, in high school marching band to college marching band is that in college, you're, you're focused on the games or whatever the sporting events are. That's kind of it. In high school, when you're at a competitive marching band, you're focused on field competitions. Mm
2: -hmm. That's right. right.
0: And that is very different. And actually, in some ways, I've heard some high schools don't care about the games as much. It's like, yeah, that's something that we do, whatever on the side. But (laughs) our real deal is field competition season.
2: Yeah. Well, that's funny too, because in college, we would perform on the field for every game. And in high school, they kind of let us let the band perform on the field for like one game a season or something like that. Usually, it'd be like, go away, sort of thing. So we would have, we'd have our, like you said, competitions around Northern California, and those would be, you know, judged of, you know, be very, you know, uh, analytical judging process of the and field it's show performance itself it is hardcore right like yeah like angles and measurements and like spacing and all oh the sort God. of how well you're making the shapes in the field it's it's very very it can be stressful but it's obviously a, a great lesson right and in, in discipline and re- yeah. repetition and all that right
0: very militaristic uh, yes precision-based performance
2: which is really interesting which was kind of nice going into college where it's not as focused yeah. on that, right? It's a very different yeah. co- sort of vibe, right? It's you more relaxed, more fun. And like you said about the football team, really. So, Yeah.
0: Celebratory. Yeah. yeah. Totally. But still focused on on details, which I think is kind of cool in those opportunities. What was your, um, if, the, if there's one thing you remember that you're comfortable sharing uh, uh, about band, what was that one experience that you still think about uh, with, with band?
2: I would say that I really enjoyed I mean I guess to to brag a little bit, I, I was able to be section leader of the of the of the trombone section for my junior year. That's a big years. deal, man.
0: That's <laughs> a big deal. Everybody needs to know that. Yes, absolutely.
2: <laughs> but that was just a really enjoyable experience. You talk about the kind of focus on music still, and there's still a focus on that. And so I still remember how much I enjoyed, you know, doing some of the teaching, right? I mean, I yeah. was somebody I mean, we have people who join the Marching Man who have very little experience you know and we i think and i again i don't know what what it's like now but when i was a student people would come into the band who hadn't played at all yeah and so yeah. it was awesome to be able to kind of share my love of music and bring people on and teach them about about playing and so i feel like that kind of almost mentorship in a way i mean mm-hmm. maybe it feels a little too official to call it that But no it is it is that's, <laughs> the mentorship that's... was really enjoyable right and watching them kind of get it like get it why i love playing trombone and, and get that and and then also make it about a fun atmosphere right not be like we have to hit this note you know or we're gonna get in trouble or something it's like let's just play well because it's fun to play well and because we can put on a good show sort of thing right so That's yeah that, that was really yeah. rewarding I think
0: very cool uh, I, and I know as a VSA as one of our student ambassadors you were you were heavily involved and and what was interesting what's striking to me about this conversation and things I remember from back in the day was um, when you first meet you, Greg, you you don't come across as someone who's going to control the room. You just seem like a very quiet, well-mannered guy. Like, Hey, I'm just here to do the thing. And you always do a good job. But what was really exciting about you was this quiet leadership that would come into play when you knew it was necessary. And when you knew it was needed and this opportunity to kind of say, okay, here's what we're going to do. And like you said, like you, and I think that's one of the biggest differences between you and other more uh, stereotypical loudest in the room type leaders is that they're kind of seeking the glory of it. You were say like, Hey, let me show you why I think this is a good idea. You were always someone we could trust to get something done and to help someone else get their stuff done too. So I mean, like this is, this is a big, big deal, man. And I think that's what's obviously propelled you to where you are today. <laughs> well, thank you. That's very nice. What were some of the things I can't remember? You you had to work as the VSA, and I remember having lots of meetings where I was like giving you work, and I know you didn't want it. And I remember, you know, I was like, come on, you could do this. I think you could do this. Hey, y'all, sorry for the interruption, but I wanted to let you know that we have a number of opportunities to do it and it's happening all summer long, but get your registration in now at viterbi.link slash visit. Hope to see you soon.
2: Yeah. Well, I remember, I think I was trying to reflect a little bit before this episode and I feel like the biggest challenge I had at VSA, which I, I'm by the way, you know, I still think about being, being a VSA. I really loved that opportunity to represent the school. I mean, it was such a special opportunity I think back on those memories so fondly but yeah I mean we have obviously VSAs are very busy involved in many different projects I remember the VKey project at the time oh, which yeah. was yeah like kind of you know website for mid students right that was that was the first time I really had been exposed to project management on a scale I had never seen before mm. and the definitely the ups and downs of that so wow. so here's what's so funny I haven't thought about VKey <laughs>
0: in i don't know actually i have thought about it very recently i'll tell you why in a minute but um i'll just say now oh uh, i just cleaned out my office uh oh. like two weeks ago mm-hmm. uh for the first time in <laughs> god knows how long because we got we're getting new furniture and um so basically it was like thank god i get to go through all this stuff and for lack of a better term it was like i ordered shredding bins <laughs> like those industrial shredding bins like i'm not going to shred it stuff i'm going to send it to a shredding company yeah and I filled two shredding bins with my office. Oh my God. And I one section, one entire section of an entire bookshelf was all V key stuff. It was all like printouts and edited oh documents. and like one in one year in particular, before you came on board long before the day and other podcast episodes deal with this conversation when it was a
2: cd-ROM, do you have a back uh, machine of these websites? Was there any archiving done to be really cool? To I see have some the of those physical copies. copies. <laughs> oh I gosh. have,
0: I have the physical copy. So wow. I have archived at least one or two of each of these, okay. um, because for our listeners, what we used to do pre-internet, pre-social <laughs> media, pre-YouTube, pre-anything. It started back in 2002. I think I was going to say we created the CD ROM at the time. It was called, Oh my God. What did it, what did we call it? I don't know. It was some sort of, Kitchy name at the time, (laughs) but it was, it was, uh, uh, you know, check out you're, you check out you've been admitted to USC check out what the students are like and you put this CD-ROM a CD in your computer and it would load this 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 software out <laughs> that would create like an interactive portal and you can go around and click on students and see little blurbs from them and watch videos of them like talk about their lives and <laughs> Quick time all, videos <laughs> yeah quick time videos that were all like preloaded on a CD-ROM and the work yeah. that it took to script that out write it out do the interface design all student run with me kind of like what about this? Like throwing in annoying questions from time to time, and then we iterated on that every single year. We went through a couple of versions of CD-ROMs, and then we got to, uh, and then the the cutting edge technology at the time was a USB drive, and so then we started shipping USB drives to admitted students, which would load the same concept but would have you know larger data capacities and and then slicker software that we would run it off of. Um, and so at one point I we had I had printed out like all those sheets, right? Cause we would edit it and go through it. And I have a like a three-inch binder of like all the writings that were there. Cause we would talk about majors, we talk about all this stuff. Now all of this is handled with websites now. It's like it's not right. at all, not at all. Something. And we do we don't do it. We we basically transitioned all of that work into uh kind of a year-round 24/7 365 availability of information. And so that's what uh, has evolved into the Viterbi Voices website, which is voices.usc. voices.usc.edu sure. and then our Viterbi Admission website is kind of an amalgam of all these different things. Where here's the major, here's the videos, then our YouTube channels—the Viterbi Student YouTube channel, the Viterbi Admission YouTube channel—and then we just are constantly hitting it because there's no reason you should restrict information just to admit students. Um, so it's whatever. But I forgot you worked on Viki, man. Yeah, that, that was I, a beast. I still
2: have—I still have a lot of those on my desk. Like once my wife finds them, she's going to throw them away. But they're, they're still the, the little flash drives are still on my desk. The one what I got you? in 2010 was in a little leather folio thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say we
0: we changed the design of the USB yep. drive every year. What what did you did you you got that one? You got the leather. 2010
2: one was a silver. It's a silver one in a little leather thing with a button. <laughs>
0: And what would the ones you designed? What were the ones you worked on? Do you remember those
2: that? were slick because those were the mini, the the, the thin USB sticks. Yeah. Again, and we actually edge had them the time. Remotely look like an actual key.
0: That's <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah I, I have that one. It looks like a key. It fits on a key ring. And yeah. so it was the V key. We I think the last thing, the last version we ever did, I don't know if you were part of this one, was we switched to then the next thing, which was a credit card with a thin oh. micro USB. And, and, and then we called it a V card. It was dumb. It was, <laughs> people hated it. It didn't work. Um, but it was, it was interesting nonetheless. And so we got that out and we, always we shifted things away. Change. Things yeah. change, things change, things evolve. Yeah. And then, you know, now we have a podcast, which you know, <laughs> does even, know. hold on one second. Sorry. Of course, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, cut these things, we'll cut these things out. I don't know what's going on. Every, literally all morning, all day today, super quiet nothing's happening in my house the minute I bring you in the gardeners show up people start talking around the house everyone's going nuts sorry um yeah we'll cut it up <laughs> so you worked on Viki you did that you did some amazing stuff as a VSA you said you you really thought it was a an honor it was an honor for me that you actually were considered spending that time uh representing the school and working as hard as you did because it's, it's almost like a full-time job uh on top of all the other stuff you were doing um, we stretch and push student ambassadors a lot. And so I'm very, very thankful. And and again, thankful again, because look, you're still doing it. You're here.
2: <laughs> well, and <laughs> I have to just give a shout-out too to the development that you provided us. I mean, some of the skills that you learned you taught us. Like I remember we went to the middle of campus and you had us learn how to project. Without oh, yeah. yelling at the like, use our you know how to yeah. use our loud voices properly, and I that still comes in handy. Does um, it. giving tours and things like this, and I remember we had a movement thing or something at the one of the uh-huh. theaters where we learned how to express emotions and language with our bodies and so you had us do all sorts of fun development but it still comes in handy today
0: good man good i hope so (laughs) i hope so i think it's always kind of cool to hear how it how it impacts people because those are the things that i find helpful and and i hope that you guys do as well and hopefully it it kind of becomes a it's weird because sometimes i i think it's viewed as like i make you guys do stuff but i'm hoping that what this becomes is kind of like an investment of energy and time into you that you realize over time that it that ends up kind of becoming useful down the road because i'm essentially getting my usefulness out of you while you're right. there right
2: and maybe and, not something you'll realize today but yeah will come in handy later yeah
0: yeah and i know that some people don't like it but <laughs> i hope that over time it it kind of works so i appreciate those comments um and so when you you were at you spend a lot of time in march band which is a lot of work you're a hard worker chemical engineering is a lot of hard work Being a VSA is a lot of hard work. Are you just a glutton for punishment? Are you just like all about the hard work?
2: It's it's so funny you asked that because I really felt like I wouldn't say college was easier than high school, but I I didn't have this big change in how much work I did going from high school to college. I mean, obviously high school, as many people know, is very difficult as well. So yeah. Maybe I maybe I am a glutton for punishment, but I think I've tried to hopefully relax a little bit now that I've gone through all my schooling.
0: Hey everyone, this is Paul. Sorry for the interruption, but I wanted to let you know about a new feature we just unlocked. It's about sending us questions or comments via text. If you go to your podcast player, check the show notes. There's a link there that says, send us a question or comment. It may be on our next episode. So go in there, send us a little quick text message. Let us know what your questions are. Let us know what your comments are. We'd love to hear from you. So we can't wait to see it. Now back to the episode. Well, I, I think maybe it's just we've talked about this with other alumni on the podcast, and that there is a trend, and uh, there's consistency in success, uh, but there's also consistency in the types of people that have engaged and been successful in our engineering program. And I wouldn't call them glutton for punishment. I'm just kind of making fun, but the <laughs> but it's much more about like you 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 constantly have a pattern of seeking out challenges if that makes sense. And I think that's actually a natural born engineer and the one that actually wants to solve the problems. Like Uh you identify the problem, you go after it. And I think what's really interesting about you and others that we've had on the podcast and why I want to have everybody hear you is because in different ways, you're not just seeking them out for the technical merit of the challenge. You're seeking them out because of kind of that societal context or something that's interesting to you or something that really sounds like, it's important to you as a human being, and that you get strong passions out of this. And and so many of our high school students that talk to us, I think in a weird way, somewhat feel lost because they get told you have to find your passion. And adults like us will say, "See, well, I was really good because I found my passion." What's your passion? And they don't know what it is, and they realize that I would always tell them, "Like, it's, you're not supposed to know it. You just kind of just go." seek huh. out the challenges, keep going after stuff. And over time, you'll find it. Because as you mentioned, you went in thinking you had a very specific idea of what you want to do, but that did evolve a little bit, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I do, I do think it's funny though. I mean, I kind of, this is kind of where I thought I'd be about 10 years ago, to be honest that's with you. Great. <laughs> that's so, great. That's <laughs> great. I don't know. Maybe that's, I mean, a little so, bit different here and there. So but. yeah.
0: So let's get to that because th- this idea of energy and clean energy. And what I guess my point is that you went through like you went through
2: biofuels for sure. Right. Different. Yeah. I wasn't sure what that meant. Right.
0: You weren't sure what that meant. And so before we get to like where you are now, can we talk about how chemical engineering, even when you know, okay, great, I'm going to be a chemical engineer, how even that is confusing because there's so many different applications and subsets of what chemical engineering can be at any institution?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think this gets back to kind of what I mentioned earlier, where If you're a high school student, you know, looking at the world around you, you're trying to think about what do I want to do for my life? And there are all these different challenges we face as a society. And those challenges don't fit nicely into a certain engineering major. And even in chemical engineering, people came to chemical engineering with a total myriad, you know, myriad interests from all over the place. And the skills that you learned in chemical engineering, I think helped my friends and I in the jobs we ended up having, even though the jobs were very diverse. Hmm. You know, I have friends who are working at SpaceX from chemical engineering uh, at uh, Merck at target. So it's, you know, it's like so funny that the things that the, where, where they end up going, it's all over the place, but there's, and I, and I also think part of this undergrad too, right. Where in my opinion, uh, undergrad engineering program was less about the specific things I learned and more about, these skills I developed to address problems once I leave.
0: Hmm. And how did that influence your next steps
2: after that? So this was funny. So I I was in chemical and then you get to your junior year and, you know, you're kind of presented with these ideas of choose an emphasis. And so I thought, well, and you don't have to, but you, right, you have options. Right. And so I was like, okay, you know, I, had to, at the time I was interested in fuels and biofuels and so I thought well biochemical sounds good because it has bio in the name sure and I remember going <laughs> to the first <laughs> one of the first kind of I guess elective classes as part of that um emphasis and I think I sat in the class for like half an hour and I was like no this is not not for me too much life science and I immediately realized this was not the right <laughs> emphasis mm-hmm. and so then I was kind of left thinking well what do I do now um I want to choose an emphasis and I want something in clean energy. And what does that look like? And I guess, ironically, I ended up choosing a petroleum emphasis. Yeah. But I thought at the time that it would be a good way for me to at least learn about the energy industry, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which actually ended up being really incredible, um, even though I decided I didn't want to end up working in conventional energy. Right. It was still really, really insightful and taught me so much because I think obviously there's a lot of similarities between clean energy and conventional energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's about providing <laughs> power and electricity to people, right? So, exactly. It's
0: just the method in which we get there. And right. I remember Dr. Shaggy explained it to us once that um, don't be scared away by the word petroleum engineering because it's really about energy. And with each coming generation and each iteration of technology, we just remove a carbon atom. Uh, We just kind of just, we get a little bit cleaner with each version of it as we keep moving forward.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that, that opened up some doors for me as well. You know, I had an opportunity to go work for an oil and gas company that ended up um, turning down, but it was, you know, it definitely showed me this whole world of opportunities. Um, And the petroleum classes were really, really cool. I remember There was a class on drill bits. It was just the whole class is on basically (laughs) drilling methods, right? And it's like, there's a lot that goes into just how to drill a well. People don't, you never, you would never think of um, until you actually kind of dive down into what goes into it, right? Yeah, exactly. So you decided to not.
0: Go down that road, and instead you chose the graduate school research route that we alluded to. And earlier. then I totally
2: right. changed decisions again, <laughs> so. right?
0: And, and so then you went down that road. It's okay. That's 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 what I think is important for everyone to hear is sure. that there is never a straight path. Um, again, loose targets. You're in the same realm, but there's lots of different choices and 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 versions of this that you can go down that road. But you end up going to graduate school, and and you landed at Purdue. Again, completely different than USC. Yeah. Not that not in quality wise, the greatest institution, but you're in the middle of Indiana. Uh and were you considering lots of different schools? Uh, because uh, talk about that process of of applying to grad schools because so many people think like you pick a college for your undergraduate years and that's it. uh they, they think like, okay, well then I, I gotta learn about your graduate programs I am like we have them, but trust me, man that you've got lots of different choices that's different at that point. You're not really looking at schools per se. you're looking at programs.
2: right. So I also think it's important to give some context of how I ended up deciding to go to grad school. So, mm. like I said, I was in this petroleum emphasis. I, knew, I maintained my interest and in energy and I was in these petroleum classes and at the time I was in a physical chemistry class uh, and I ended up developing a really positive relationship with the professor and he was ultimately the professor that really helped guide me to grad school uh, eventually um, and I think it was a combination of factors but I want to I want to mention that my freshman year, the Grand Challenges for Engineering Summit was held at UOC. That was 2010.
0: Was that your freshman year?
2: Yeah, that was my freshman year. Gotta remember and that day. That was it. And one of the grand challenges, if people aren't familiar, is, is fusion. And that always ticked away in the back of my mind. You know, I heard that in 2010. It never really went away. And I'm in this physical chemistry class learning about Schrodinger's equation. And I'm thinking about atomic physics and things like this. And I'm like, this might be kind of interesting. And so I ended up talking more about this chemistry professor. And I thought, well, this fusion seems like an energy challenge that is incredibly difficult. And maybe this is about being a glutton for punishment. Um, and thought, this might be something interesting to look at. And you know, through conversations with him, he basically advised me at the time that because of the still early days, if you will, of fusion that we haven't figured it out yet, a lot of it studied through research and a lot of the research is done by phd students and that's kind of how i ended up deciding that i wanted to go to graduate school is that i thought well fusion seems like a great energy challenge to work on but i think to do this in the way i want to do it i have to go to graduate school and i was looking at programs that studied that did fusion research and there aren't a lot of them on the West Coast. It's changing, no. um, yeah. especially on the engineering side, maybe on the more yeah. fundamental physics side, but I wanted to be in engineering. Yeah. And so that led me to the Midwest where there are more nuclear engineering type programs out there yeah. um, just because of the different culture. And so I actually landed myself at Purdue. And I, when I told my friends I was going to Purdue, they could not believe what I told them because they thought me as a California boy. I talked about how much I love California. I don't want to leave California. Yeah. And I mean, just, I, just
0: 20 minutes ago, you were doing the same thing.
2: And I went, I went out there, you know, it was something where I decided it's like, I know Purdue's a great school and this is something I'm passionate about. I really want to go and study this for graduate school. I feel like this is an, a really incredible challenge that I want to work on. And I was offered funding to go out there for a PhD and I just took the leap.
0: Can you explain the differences between graduate school and an undergraduate education? I know that there's a lot there, but what, what what's what's strikingly a big difference for you?
2: I actually thought you might ask this question, so I <laughs> I was it's funny because I just
0: thought of it right now. So.
2: <laughs> I was I was making myself I was making myself laugh earlier thinking about this because I think an undergraduate you you'd go into like chemistry lab right, and yeah. so this is a chemistry lab experiment that. The professor has designed, and maybe this experiment that you're doing in lab has been done 50 times. And so you're following the procedure. You, you have step one, step two, step three, you write down observations, you complete a lab report, you turn in the professor. And then the next year this is done all over again. These are a set of experiments where everything is laid out. You get to grad school and they say, You design the experiment, we don't know what's going to happen. Also, it has to be novel and new and something interesting that no one's done before. It's fun. <laughs> and say, so, Oh, that's that's a very different type of challenge, right? And so um, it's, and obviously you're not doing it on your, on your own, right? You have right. colleagues and an advisor to help you, but it's an entirely different type of work because as a, especially in a PhD student, you're doing an independent research project, you're trying to find something novel, but you are making the experiment, if you will, right? You're just, you're doing all that design. You, you're not doing something that somebody has done before. And that can be really stressful and challenging, but also rewarding at the same time
0: that's great what
2: uh given
0: that you've spent time at two different universities over the course of eight years um you know you have usc and purdue both both well-known engineering programs what are the differences i mean for people that are looking at or even if you could generalize right those midwest older school and i don't mean that in a derogatory term but the older school philosophy of, of an engineering program Versus our engineering program, knowing what you went through as an undergraduate, can you can you delineate the differences from your perspective as a grad student at that institution versus what the undergrad experience was like?
2: I'll try. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the best apples to apples, right, would be to compare undergraduate programs. And I just don't have that experience yeah. as an undergraduate at Purdue. And True. I think also your life as a graduate student is very different, right, because you're not taking as many classes. You spend most of your time in the lab. Yeah. You don't have yeah, a lot of the undergraduate activities, those sorts it of things. It is a different world life. altogether. It's more like having a job as opposed to being a student. Did you really. engage
0: at all with undergraduates there at all? Or
2: not really. I was in I was in some professional societies that had crossover with undergraduates. Yeah. Um but for the most part, yeah, it was really more like and we, and I guess that's not entirely true. We had undergraduates who worked in the lab with us. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually I actually have an intern here in San Diego who was an undergraduate that I that I mentored, which is oh, cool. cool. How that that continues along, but but anyway, yeah. I mean, I think I think the main differences in universities is that you know Purdue is really the agricultural mechanical school for Indiana, right? And yeah. with that charge, it really focuses on those aspects, right? So you think about an A an and M type school, um, mm. the charge is really focused on engineering, science, things like that. U.S.C. obviously has an excellent engineering program, but U.S.C. has maybe a more evenly balanced portfolio as a university, from Mm. at least from my experience. Um, And so it felt like at U.S.C., you know, there was a great focus on the humanities and kind of almost, you know, maybe more rounded, gen global citizen type approach. Maybe again, not to disparage Purdue at all, but Purdue was much more about let's develop scientists and engineers to solve these challenges and maybe make it a little more focused. But that, I think that was kind of the main difference, um, at least in the universities themselves.
0: Oh, that's great. Um, Can, can you talk about what it means, Dr. Sinclair, to have a PhD in nuclear engineering? I mean, maybe we should start with what the heck is nuclear engineering? (laughs) Why does it barely exist in the country anymore? I know there's a lot of politics involved in history of, of that sure. but um it, it's your field man you, you have the doctorate so help us understand it it's a real it's like 10 broad questions in a row so
2: man, however you want to handle that <laughs> yeah well i think that i may have a slightly different answer than somebody who works okay. on nuclear fission hmm. since my world is fusion energy Fusion and fission are very different, even though they both have the nuclear label on them. And they both involve different types of science, even though there is science, physics, things like this that do cross over, they're different. And so while I was in a nuclear engineering program, you know, if you take a name out of a hat of a nuclear engineer, they may have a different experience to my experience, right? And so whereas fission energy, we know how to do it. We have nuclear power plants around the world that operate based on fission fusion is something we're still trying to figure out you know the it's a challenge that we we don't know how to yet make a power plant based on fusion so that's the challenge okay. and that's what i studied but it involves c- things that don't cross over for, so for example fusion is fundamentally based on plasma physics and that's something that is very unique to fusion that is not really studied on the fission side of things um so, you know, my world now involves a lot of material science and plasma physics on a day-to-day basis.
0: And, and the, the the simple dumbest answer we can give for fission versus fusion is fission is splitting the atom and fusion is combining. That's correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. And so we've done splitting of the atom um, and that's where the atomic bomb comes from and other types of power that exists. Fusion is the giant question mark easter egg we're looking for we, we we're not there yet but it, given that that it is your field then this might be a very unfair question so you tell me if it is i mean are how far away are we i mean <laughs> obviously that's why you have a job but like what what what? where are we in this timeline to achieving fusion
2: that's a million dollar question yeah uh, you know and and yeah just for the audience right i mean the the sun creates or you know generates converts energy through fusion so often we say we're trying to put a star on earth hmm. so we already have a perfect basically the most efficient type fusion power plant that we know of which is the sun and we're trying to figure out how to replicate that on earth which is a huge challenge right so fusion's been studied for longer than fission actually it's been almost about 80 years i think at this point we've been studying the fundamental aspects of fusion energy and a lot of it's remained pretty focused on the fundamental science. Again, I talked about plasma physics. A lot of it's focused on plasma physics. You know, there yeah. was ramp up in the 50s. Funding's gone up and down over the years. Um, maybe too, maybe somewhat unfairly, fusion funding has followed fission funding with political tides, even though fusion doesn't share a lot of the same challenges that fission does. Um but we're now, I think we're getting to a stage where things may be starting to transition. And, you know, obviously I'm going to take an optimistic approach, right? Sure, but I sure. mean, you, you know, an average person probably heard in the news at the end of last year that the national ignition facility in Livermore had um, a record-breaking milestone where they were able to generate more energy out than they put in. So this was a big achievement um, in the in the field. And we're seeing record investment from private companies now private companies aren't going to start something if they think that the profit's 50 years away. (laughs) So they, you know, there, there are, there's record, you know, billions and billions of dollars just in the last few years that have been put into fusion that fusion has never had from the private industry. You have people like Paul Allen from Microsoft putting in money. Right. And so, you know, I think you're seeing maybe the tides change.
0: Interesting. And, and you, you, you've talked a lot about when I, when I think about a listener in high school, trying to grapple with this and and they have passions and interests and things that they read about they're also going to probably hit upon the same words you did which is the basic the the core sciences of, i don't think you said basic but the core sciences of it like physics plasma physics etc and so why is engineering the route to go if if you know because so, some students come say like I don't know if I want to study physics, or engineering uh can you can you talk to that student who who is looking at this saying i'm hearing all about plasma physics so i think that's where i want to go um and this also happens a lot with like space stuff right you know, Astronautical sure. engineering or whether i want to go into astrophysics and i'm like talk to that that person
2: well for full tr- transparency my title is scientist sure so i think that says a lot my education was in engineering in an engineering program and yet somebody asked me if I'm a scientist or an engineer and I can't give them an answer. I think, like I said, that if, if you think of engineering as fundamentally designing and building something, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Fusion, we are not really there. I mean, we're, we're starting to get to that point where we say, okay, we have the science maybe down to a certain point where we can start designing and building something. But I would say for the most part, historically, fusion engineering, if you will, yeah. has been mostly hypothetical maybe a uh-huh. little bit here and there uh-huh. and maybe we're getting to the point where the science is to a, you know a certain stage where that it can be given to the engineers and so i guess you know i would encourage if you're in high school thinking about this difference between science and engineering there is a difference but uh it's going to depend on the field and i also think that on a day-to-day basis in a job you might be doing a little bit of both
0: <laughs> got it so, I mean, my biased opinion, that would say to me that the engineering includes the science in the education, but not the other way around.
2: I yeah, I mean, I would from say a, from that's an true, under, right? Because from an undergraduate perspective. Sure. Right. Because in my hallway, I have people who have physics education, but don't necessarily take doesn't didn't didn't take some of those classes like reactor design. I mean, chemical engineering is really just process engineering. Right. So reactor design efficiencies, something like that. And so when we do get to the point where we say, okay, how do we build components? How do we build a vessel? How do we build so-and-so, so-and-so? You know, the, the people who have the physics backgrounds, again, not trying to disparage them, right. they might not have the answer to those questions, but the people with the engineering backgrounds who have kind of morphed themselves into scientists, they'll be able to say, well, I have this background in engineering where I can say, okay, well, now that I have a little bit of both worlds, I can design and, and eventually build something.
0: Yeah, it's it's it, again not to disparage science at all and I never want to because it, it obviously has its value across the board and everything else. But but the <laughs> I said that so quickly, that sounded disparaging. I didn't mean that. To be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah, 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 they're special. Um <laughs> but um it's much more about I think what you said this it's this ability, this comfort level, this background and training to approach the creation of something, to approach right. that problem-solving mechanics uh that is not necessarily science. And and that is an interesting gap between science and engineering. So when you have that, you're able to jump in and be like, okay, this is where we're going. Or more specifically, when you're in the science element, you could be thinking about that in the future about like, well, this might get, this might pose a problem down the road because I know this, we're going to need to answer this question down here. So maybe we'll think about it in this step of the science.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I'm, I'm trying to propose to management, you know, you know, like let, let's build something, let's build a prototype, you know, I have ideas. And so, you know, I, 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 you know, I guess to toot my own heart a little bit, right? I have these ideas about how to take the science that we have, the knowledge we have right now, and actually start creating designs and, and getting stuff built. I mean, that's, that's the yeah. ultimate goal, right? Is to build solutions.
0: Well, to the extent that you're able to, can we talk about your company a little bit? Because we're talking about like this, this conceptual of what you're doing, but you're working at General Atomics. Can we talk about what General Atomics is and your role there?
2: Yeah. So General Atomics started as a nuclear technology company and has morphed into a very diverse company over the years that uh, has its fingers in a lot of different industries from everything from medicine to defense to energy. Um, So my day-to-day is primarily focused on what we call the D3D National Fusion Facility, which is a Department of Energy funded facility that is hosted by General Atomics. So it sounds a little confusing, but it's almost like having a national lab on the campus of a private company. So yeah, so General Atomic's the host for this facility that is funded by the Department of Energy. And so a large uh, percentage of my work is focused on that. The D3D facility is the largest magnetic fusion device in the US, in San Diego. So it's a research device. It doesn't produce power, but it's a science device used to study the underlying physics of fusion
0: huh i had no idea that was going on right there in san diego yeah Yeah, we have have, we're making
2: fusion right down the hill
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah you think of these types of facilities as Again, all I can think about right now is Oppenheimer because it's coming out. Sure, yeah. uh, All I keep thinking about is secret labs in the desert because I just keep exactly. seeing trailers for Oppenheimer. Uh, speaking of which, is that
2: on? Is that on your list, Oppenheimer? Like, I was your... just texting a friend last night. I think we're gonna go try and see it in like the seventy millimeter IMAX. Yeah. Well, and I guess yeah, like this, and I guess like you know, I guess the seventy millimeter, right? is supposed to be like wider, so it sounds like kind of fun. It's like I, I think it's it's maybe fun to go see it in the special formats, right? But absolutely, I was joking. We should have like a company trip or something like that to go see the movie They can do it on company time i
0: think (laughs) you should yeah bonding experience that's right Uh, that's right yeah definitely (laughs) very cool um yeah i just of course me and and i watch way too many movies but (laughs) every time you talk talk about nuclear or anything all i keep seeing in the back of my head is like flashes of the oppenheimer trailer like in my head over and over again and again that's a little bit to the fusion. detriment
2: of what i do yeah i mean we i know we've...
0: and that's well it's interesting that you talk about that, like how fusion funding follows fission funding and how there is going to be differences but like again for the layperson or anyone else all we know about the word nuclear is fission and we and bomb and bomb and yeah and and or nuclear power plants and disasters and right. and so i think that's the first without me ever saying that up front to you that was sure. essentially the purpose of my question which is like we all, me being dumb people, have a definition of nuclear. Um, and it is by no means a correct definition, just in the, the standpoint of there are fusion and fission differences. So um that's why I think it's important to to talk about those things and, and what you guys are doing. Are there other companies in this same space? Um, because I think what's interesting is that people can think about aerospace corporations, they can think about oil and gas corporations, and everyone can name the family the, the different families that are doing sure. things. And I don't
2: think Anyone can name fusion, fusion companies, right? So, I mean, I think it's changing. Mm-hmm. General Atomics has been around for a long time, yeah. and they have been able to remain a successful company, at least initially, through their fission technologies. Mm. And but they've always maintained fusion research throughout their history. Right now, what you've seen last few years are private fusion companies that are startups that are being funded through venture capital. And they come out with claims saying we have the science to actually build a demonstration device within a certain amount of time. So if you go online start googling around, you'll very quickly find you know maybe they are not in the general you know knowledge base right, but if mm-hmm. you just do a little bit of googling, you'll find private companies that say they they think they can build a demonstration device within the next ten years. Um, so you,
0: the way you say that
2: makes it sound like you're skeptical. I think any scientist should be skeptical. I think sure. that some. Some companies I have more confidence in than others based on the physics basis of their design. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think I have obviously I don't know everything about fusion. You know, I work on very specific things, but um I do look at the different designs and think some sound some more feasible than others, but mm-hmm. I definitely don't want to discourage the private investment because I think that yeah. I came into the space because I want solutions. <laughs> I, I don't want yeah I don't yeah. want to be retiring and be at the same place where we're just still researching the fundamental science, right? I want to move fast. I want us to be urgent and to move quickly towards a solution.
0: And maybe some of those startups have that nimble nature that can move a little bit faster. So yeah, I I encourage It's exciting. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I encourage startups to move as quickly as they can. And, you know, I obviously General Atomics being more of a maybe traditional company, we have our own types of um, exciting projects going on as well that are internally funded. So Hmm. Um, yeah, it's a very exciting space to work in, and in five years, it's going to look completely different than it does now.
0: Wow, I don't want to keep you any longer because I know you've been very generous with your time, and you've got other stuff you got to do. But I do have a, uh, a just like two more follow-ups. But one is is just about being a dad because uh, I, that is very exciting for me. <laughs> uh, anytime anyone is in the dad club, all I want to talk about is is being a dad. What um what have you found to be the most unexpected thing about being a dad cuz i mean one you knocked you knocked out two in two years so you know best of luck and i understand like basically you got them back to back so maybe you haven't <laughs> even thought about this but what's been unexpected that that you've discovered
2: i think i'm going to answer your question by talking about the kids and my experience interacting with them which is yeah. that i am amazed how quickly a child's mind develops my my older child my daughter she's almost two and it is fascinating i mean and maybe it's because i'm you know a scientific dork about this right but just to see a child's mind develop and as a father to be able to watch her take in the world around her and even though she's not she's not forming complete sentences but you already get it that she's she's absorbing everything around her which is Mm -hmm. it's scary it's incredible it's very emotional to watch her do that but um, it's, you know, at the end of the day, extremely rewarding. And so that's, it's, it's amazing. You know, it's like, I just have to keep up with her. She's just going to keep going and going and going. And you said your youngest is a boy. Yeah. Okay. So how does she treat
0: him? How is that going?
2: She's doing a good job. I went to go get her this morning. I, and she wanted to go right over to him and give him a hug. You know, it's really, it's really funny. You know, I think she has every best intention. I think sometimes she doesn't realize how much bigger she is, you know? And so it's like, you know, gentle, gentle, you know, and and that's, been really fun but i think overall it's been really amazing to watch them engage you know the little you know the little one he's so little yet he's not you know quite verbalizing anything but to yeah. watch her show her emotional you know emotion and love for him is really really special and rewarding that's great man that's really great i'm really happy for you congratulations although uh, uh, belated um <laughs>
0: congratulations that's really great um all right last thing i got for you uh somewhat of a mini tradition when we get alumni such as you is that we want to go through some lightning round questions with you. Are you ready? Do you want to go through some lightning round questions? All
2: right. I am ready.
0: (laughs) Okay, here we go. Uh, Texting or talking, talking favorite day of the week, Friday, favorite city in the U S besides the one you live in San Francisco. Mm. Uh, Nickname. Your parents used to call you. Greggy. Greggy, I don't know that Greggy. <laughs> no, I'm going to call you Greggy. Uh, last song you either downloaded or specifically like searched for it to play.
2: Uh, Reckless Abandon by Blink-182. I went to go see them in concert. Oh, wow, cool. So awesome. Cool. I was honestly expecting
0: a kid song. Um, <laughs> would I was expecting Baby Shark, but that's okay. Uh, would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals?
2: Every language in the world. Ooh.
0: Uh, favorite
2: holiday? fourth of
0: july yeah me too man no (laughs) one says that that's my favorite holiday yeah (laughs) uh how long does it take you to get ready an hour whoa that hair that hair doesn't take care of itself that hair (laughs) doesn't take care of itself uh uh, i like long showers (laughs) by the way my little commentary right now every man i've interviewed is way longer than every woman i've interviewed so far (laughs) in this question we don't know whether it's true or not but Uh, Scale of 1 to 10, how good of a driver are you, 10 being best? Eight. Okay. Fill in the blank. Taylor Swift is? Iconic. Whoa, good one. At what age do you want to retire? 60. Invisibility or super strength?
2: Invisibility.
0: Ooh. Is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? (laughs) (laughs) No. Oh, no. Okay, good. All right, man, you survived. You, you got through the lightning round. You got through all of my, uh, my tough hard hitting questions. There's Greg, a lot of
2: baby shark. Don't worry. <laughs> was
0: be. Greg, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Uh, it is really, really great to see you. I, I wish you all the best down there at, at, in San Diego, especially with your, with your two young kids. Enjoy every minute of it. I will tell you my little advice that I give to every single parent that I have found is that, uh, it, it goes, it, you know, they, they say this all the time, right? That the, the years are fast, but the days are long. Uh, like some days you're like, oh my God, I can't do this. And then you realize it's two years later. Um, and the other thing is, um, it's a lot like video games. Like, <laughs> and you probably realize this with your two year old, like just when you think you got something down, <laughs> they move on. They're on to the next thing. And then we're trying Mm -hmm. to figure that one out. And then it's just kind of this, it just keeps happening. Like just when you feel comfortable, they throw a curveball at you. Like I'm now developing this way and I, (laughs) we need to learn how to deal with that. So best of luck to you, man. I'm really, really really happy for you. And again, thank you again for doing this and congratulations on all your success. I can't wait to hear about future success. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. It's good to talk to you. All right, buddy. We'll see you later. All right. Bye. Bye -bye. (music) Bye-bye.
1: Um, welcome back, everybody. Um, Paul, I I feel like that was a master class in um, like a good crash course for me in all of these things, especially in advance of Oppenheimer. You know, I'm planning to see it. I haven't yet. I know you have.
0: Oh my but, god! Um,
1: it's it's well, this it's a was good recorded. Context.
0: Oh my god! This was recorded before Oppenheimer came out. So you hear, like, you can hear in that episode that we were talking about how he was excited to go see it, and I did not have tickets yet. And I, I honestly believe that this conversation was the one was one of the triggers that made me go buy the ticket to it because i like he you can see hopefully you can hear it but you you could he was super excited to go see oppenheimer and the ideas of what we talked about with fission and fusion it, it just seemed super excited so yeah oppenheimer oh my god i i want to actually have another episode with greg to go back and revisit like okay tell me what do you because can you imagine like a bunch of nuclear fusion engineers and scientists um plasma physics like all these different things they go see oppenheimer what is the conversation at dinner afterwards like like is it just way over everybody's head are they talking about the cinematic qualities of it like what is happening are I, they picking apart the science and finding the faults in it like yeah.
1: i i don't know but now i I really would like to and I I can't say I know very many nuclear engineers myself. Um, right. I mean I don't think but... anybody
2: does. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, This is probably like I wonder how many similar pods of nuclear engineers there are that like went to go see this movie together and are dissecting it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think it's I think that idea of nuclear energy, nuclear fusion just seems so out of touch for so many people. Uh and there are some people that are really passionate about it and want to do those types of things. And then we talked a little bit about the episode about kind of the scarcity of nuclear engineering programs for a lot of the politics and confusion of fission versus fusion. Um and also nuclear is an advanced topic. It's not like something that's taught at the undergraduate level. It is an advancement of different types of degree programs, mostly chemical engineering. Um, and the ideas of physics and plasma physics and everything else that goes into the, what what they're trying to study because they're they're again as we talked about in the episode, they're attempting to solve problem that has never been solved before and it is just you know i'm I'm paraphrasing here and i'm putting words in his mouth but it's just a constant like well let's try this well let's try that let's 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 bang our heads against the wall and try some stuff this is research at the purest of form experimentation at the purest form and hopefully um some news will be coming out you know hopefully soon with with some breakthroughs on on the feasibility of this
1: Mm mm-hmm yeah. Yeah. Taking, taking a step back. I think it's so interesting that we had Lissa on the podcast last week and now we have Greg this week. This is like our, it's our very own showing of Barbenheimer almost. You know, we, talk, we talked about Barbie with Lissa. Now we're talking about Oppenheimer and like you see both the ends of chemical engineering and you can see yeah. both the ends of like things that are popular topics. You're totally right. Today. You're
0: right. totally right. They both got undergraduate degrees in chemical engineering uh, and the impact of the movie, the pop culture impacts related to technology and engineering and historical documentation of Oppenheimer and the social and historical impacts of the Barbie film related to identity, Mm -hmm. uh, I think is a fascinating cross section of discussing the role of engineers in the past, present and the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure we can have a longer discussion about this and, and really intersect all these ideas, uh, because there's, there's a lot to it when you, when you cross these two movies over the, the Barbenheimer crossover.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a reason that like so many people like go and see both and that both are like so popular and doing so well today. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah. So you saw Barbie, you haven't seen Oppenheimer yet.
1: Barbie. Haven't seen Oppenheimer. I'm I'm sticking with the. I would like to see Oppenheimer in the 70 millimeter IMAX that it was designed to be seen in.
0: Well, there's uh, only like 30 theaters in the world that have 70 millimeter IMAX <laughs> film projection cameras.
1: But apparently, there are some in LA.
0: Oh so. no, there are. There are four.
1: Yeah, four so of that's, the 30 are on, here. That's on my that's on my back to school list. I'm I'm sure it'll still be showing by then because I feel like there's kind of a key I don't know. For, that sort of
0: i mean seeing an imax for sure if you can get yeah. to the 70 millimeter um yeah like universal city walk i think is one of them
1: mm-hmm. there's
0: another one in irvine i, I looked at that list because i saw that i saw that mm-hmm. thing and i was like oh look at there's like four of them here this is crazy
1: mm-hmm. yeah, i looked at the list and i was like oh there's none in like all these and i'm like there's four in california like class yeah and they're all also, here also like taylor swift There are like four taylor swift shows in california
0: i think there are more than that
1: <sighs> yeah it was the yeah, that's that's still a touchy subject for me. But I think I'm she happy. just added
0: she added two shows to L.A. I'm happy
1: for you, Paul. I'm really happy for you.
0: <laughs> I mean, we're recording this from the past because next week I'm on vacation and vacation is including <laughs> the Taylor Swift show. Um, and uh, quite literally at this moment, my wife and daughter are in the other room making bracelets. Uh, um. It is happening right now because we are a week away. Taylor Swift. And, um, they asked me what I wanted and I said, um, I wanted, I want bracelets that say I'm in my dad era.
1: Oh, I don't know if it's going to
0: go fly. I don't basically I've had all these ideas. I think I talked to you about this where I've had all these ideas Mm -hmm. about how I'm going to go about this concert. And I've realized that none of my ideas are, are flying well with anyone else. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm also realizing that I think I'm going to have a blast, but I'm also realizing it's not going to matter what happens to me while I'm there. Like no. it's just going to be everybody else and their thing. And I'm just going to kind of be witness to history, um, yeah. which yeah, I'm, I'm fully, fully in for, it, but I did buy the shirt. I've, I've purchased the shirt of what I'm going to be wearing when I go there. It is going to say, uh, it's me. Hi. I'm the dad. It's me. Which I,
1: okay. That's a good
0: one. There's a, there's a lot of people wearing the shirt. There's a, there's a lot of people in my circle, right? Mid, yeah. mid forties ch- children, uh, about somewhere between eight and 10 years old, taking their, their kids to the concert. Uh, it's not an original idea. I stole it off of a friend of mine who did the same mm-hmm. thing at the Seattle show. So I saw a picture. I'm like, that's a shirt I got to get. I'm going to have to buy mm-hmm. have to buy that shirt.
1: Yeah. It's you know, you you could potentially rewear that shirt as well. No, it's like a oh, strategic yeah. no, that's, investment there.
0: So yeah, I'll, I'll wear it everywhere. I'll wear it yeah. everywhere. But the the premiere will be will be next week at uh okay. at SoFi. Speaking of SoFi, um we saw Oppenheimer at I didn't even know this, they opened up a brand new theater at SoFi. It was like they're putting in like an entertainment area, like mall type situation. Uh, at the, that SoFi Hollywood Park area. And uh, they opened up a brand new huge theater and it's a huge IMAX screen. Um, that's mm-hmm. where we saw Oppenheimer. I didn't even know it existed. And they opened the week of Oppenheimer's opening. Mm-hmm.
1: How how far from campus is SoFi?
0: 12 minutes.
1: 12 minutes, okay.
0: I mean, 50, I, mean I know where I'm going, so look, give yourself 15 <laughs> to 20 minutes. But I mean, you go, easiest way to do it is... Uh, 110 south exit century or manchester manchester and hang a right and you'll be there
1: you know i'm one of those people i just it doesn't matter if i've been there a billion times i will pull it up on my google maps every single time religiously and i will follow the google maps so like you you say 110 i'm like yeah yeah."
0: well you either go 110 south and then hang a right down manchester century Mm -hmm. or you go up down you go west on jefferson and you hang a left on like Mm -hmm. rary or crenshaw or one of those and you just go straight down so it's it's kind of this diagonal you got to get down
1: yeah okay for those of you who are listening paul just gave me a very (laughs) nice visual a visual map (laughs) Map. of where to go and it it was helpful
0: (laughs) it's turning into one of the episodes of the californians first you take the 405 took the 405 the 110 the exit crenshaw (laughs) and it took that right turn yep
1: yep classic um is there anything else you want the listeners to know anything else going on in your life what's
0: We are going to be on the road coming soon to a location near you. Uh, If you're still listening, check out viterbiadmission.usc.edu slash events, because we're going to be traveling starting the first weekend in September, going all around the world. Um, I will be in Taipei. I will be in Hong Kong, Shanghai, Beijing. Uh, there are, The rest of my team will be in the the Bay Area, Hawaii, Boston, New York, Philadelphia, D.C. Uh, we'll be going then back around to Phoenix. We'll be in Denver. We'll be in Dallas and Houston and Portland and Seattle, Miami, Atlanta, Chicago. That takes us all the way through the month of October with various events. And then mark the calendars for... Sunday, October 29th for Discover USC, large open house happening. Uh, we'll give you more information in future episodes of the podcast as well. But Sunday, October 29th, Discover USC and the Viterbi Expo will be happening in that. It's a big open house. Come check us out if you want to learn more Mm -hmm. about our programs before that November 1st, uh, early, early action scholarship consideration deadline for the application.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Come, come see us in person. You can see the faces behind the podcast. Fun
0: times. Yeah. Fun times. I, I still, I still stand by. You need to do like a live, podcast recording at the Viterbi expo and get prospective students in on it and see we'll have them introduce themselves and what they're looking at.
1: That would be cool. Or at least like a video series and then we can maybe take the audio from that or do a little promo. But That's a good idea. Yeah.
0: Something something like that. Something like that. Mm-hmm. But okay. the only thing going on in my life is I've got 3 more days of work and then I'm on vacation. So I'm out of here for a while and I'm excited that I don't have to do anything for a little bit. <laughs>
1: i i'm i'm excited for you paul i feel like you're always working um i'm excited to hear how everything goes maybe just keep like you can say taylor swift is like kind of fun but just like keep, keep the really fun to yourself I
0: well so taylor swift is a small part a small part of vacation i tell you what i'm doing right after that
1: no. so this, this
0: is this is bad either bad or brilliant planning on on my part we are going to taylor swift on tuesday so, it's going to be a late night, and who knows mm-hmm. what's going to happen. And then we're going to have to get up super early for an 8 a.m. flight to Maui. And so, we're going to spend a week in Maui. But, like, Taylor Swift into Maui is the the thing I'm dealing with right now. Like, I don't know how we're going to do yeah. a late night for an early morning flight, but we'll see how it goes.
1: Those logistics. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're two great things. So, oh, uh, I'm yeah. Sure it'll it's going to be amazing yeah the older i get the more i realize you really have to just pack as much as you can into vacations if you like want to get stuff done since they're so sparse
0: well and the part that sucks is with the elementary school kids calendar yeah <laughs> there's lots of places to go and lots of times to go but around a school calendar is the hardest so
1: yeah gotcha well i hope you have a really great time um thank you for inviting greg to the podcast i learned a lot had a, had a good time had a good chat
0: absolutely very cool thanks